Amen. You can be seated. It's great to see you. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but over the last few months, interest rates are rising. There's shortages in labor. Businesses are shutting down. Groceries and other items that we spend money on cost more, and, and all of us feel a little bit of the squeeze of the economic conditions in our country right now. And I've been thinking about that a lot over the last few weeks, and it occurred to me that this is a great time for faith. This is a great time for faith. Whenever we feel a little stretched, whenever we feel a little concerned, it's a time to, to, to kind of help us point ourselves back to the Lord. Um, in recent days, um, Zuckerberg has renamed his social media company Meta. Meta. And Meta is actually, it's kind of a trending word. It's kind of a cool word. Everybody's talking about Meta, the metaverse. We're going to talk today about a metaverse. But meta, but meta is really an old word. It's an old word. It's actually a Greek word that move, means to move beyond or to transcend. Um, we get our word metamorphosis from the word meta. And God wants to metamorphosize. God wants to take our faith up and beyond where it's ever been before. I want to talk to you today about a faith building passage, a faith-building passage for difficult, difficult times. Um, it's interesting, in the Gospels, Jesus tells the, the disciples to take note of something really beautiful that's occurring. In Mark chapter 12, we find a story about a woman who had moved beyond. She had a transcending perspective when it came to her possessions and when it came to generosity, the verses are found there in Mark 12, 41. That's our meta verse today. Sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. And then a poor widow came and she dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others, for they all gave out of their surplus, but she gave out of her poverty, and her poverty has, out of her poverty, she has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So Jesus begins to talk about faith possessions, stuff. But he does so from an interesting vantage point. He talks about it from the perspective of a poor little widow. Uh, we looked at the, the book of Ruth in recent weeks and we talked about widows in the ancient world. Um, there was no social security. There was no life insurance. Um, women didn't work in the, in the ancient world like they do today. And, and so to be a widow was to be destitute. Um, this individual who's at the temple courts is, is a woman who has very, very, very little. And yet her generosity 
is something that is so magnificent that Jesus takes note of it. And Jesus pulls the disciples over and he's like, guys, you need to check this out. And it's amazing because there were people that were giving large sums in the temple courts that day, but those weren't the people that Jesus was taking note of. His attention was focused on this one little widow. Now, in the ancient, ancient world, around the temple, <clears throat> there were 13 big chests, kind of like what I got here today. And people would bring their offerings in the courts of the temple and they would pour coins into these chests. This is before the Zelle app, before uh, giving uh, iPad kiosk in the lobby, automated giving, before all that was going on. People brought coins. People didn't even have credit cards. They didn't have checkbooks. And so people would take their gifts and they would pour them into the chest. And I think when you read the passage, you see people bringing large sums. It's a public thing. Everybody's watching it. And, and I wonder if some of the people were a little cocky with maybe the amount that they were bringing. I wonder if some were giving with kind of like the attitude of an NFL wide receiver when he scored a touchdown, right? I mean, maybe there was the mile high salute. There was the Lambo leap. There was the high step. <laughs> there was Tyreek Hill doing the backflip into the end zone. I'm just imagining in the temple courts that people were, they were really proud to bring their gifts. And maybe some people gave and they were doing a little of this and other people were going around the back and there was some showboating that was going on. And, and echoing all throughout the temple courts was this sound. And maybe it got the attention of others because, because the sound was so significant that everybody was like, oh yeah, somebody, the big gun is there, right? Like the really wealthy guy has just brought his offering. But notice what, what Jesus begins to comment on. When the widow comes, she only has two coins. Biblical commentators tell us that they were probably worth less than one penny. And this was the sound of her offering. There was no flamboyance. There was no showboating. There was nobody applauding. There was nobody saying to themselves, oh wow, that was magnificent. But Jesus took note. This woman had learned to move beyond herself. She had learned... To, to move into a phase of faith that, that, that led her to be a, a very generous person. And this morning, I want to give you three perspectives on being a person of meta-faith, transcending faith. I want you to write these down on your notes today. Because it is a faith that is taking you from where you are to where God wants you to be. And number one is simply this, faith, meta-faith stretches me. It, it stretches me. Uh, look, look at uh, verse 41 and 42 of Mark 12 once again. Sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped the money into the treasury and many rich people were putting in large sums. And then a poor widow came 
and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Here's the stretchable moment. A lot of times we think that people that give are wealthy. We think that giving is, is for others, right? Like, like the people that, that, that live in the, the biggest house, the people that own the largest companies, the people that have the greatest incomes. But Jesus teaches us something differently. He says generosity, meta-faith, is for everybody. I mean, listen, if the widow can bring her two little coins to the offering, doesn't everybody's gift matter? At different stages of our church, we've had uh, capital stewardship campaigns, we've had special offerings, we've had special emphasis for, for, uh, for the church. And there's been a few times that people have come to me and they've said, Pastor, listen, I got this figured out. If I win the lottery, if I win the lottery, I'm going to give the biggest gift to the church that you have ever seen. We've even had people go out and buy lottery tickets in faith in the name of Jesus, you know, anointing them with oil, you know, as they're scratching them off. I think the perspective of Jesus is much more profound than that. Listen, if, if you're a lottery giver, if you believe that you have to win the lottery before you can be generous, you've missed the whole thing. You can be generous right where you are. Listen, giving is for everybody. I, I've been a lifetime tither. And, and I'm telling you that not to brag so much on myself. I'm just telling you my parents taught me to give. They, they just did. I was a little kid, my parents would give me quarters to put in the offering. And I'll tell you why it's really important to teach kids to give is because kids become adults, amen? Kids grow up one day. What we teach kids to do when they're little is what they do when they get a little older. But you know, you can be a college student and you can give. You can be a kid. You can be a young married couple. You can be a senior adult. God God receives the worship of giving regardless of the person's financial standing. And the reason that Jesus was so touched by this woman's gift is because of the sacrifice and the faith that came with it. Jesus is like, guys, check this out. You need to write some notes down. And out of all the people that were giving that day, Jesus drew attention to this one person. So here's the stretchable moment. God wants everyone to give. It's easy to look around and say, you know what, I'll be generous when I get a raise. I'll be generous when I'm not so stressed about my bills. I'll be generous when I get out of debt. I will be generous. Listen, but there will always be a reason to not bring offerings, to not bring tithes to God. But God wants to stretch us and to teach us that no matter what is going on in our life, that our giving is beautiful and valuable to God. And so this is a stretchable moment, a stretchable moment. Everyone can be generous. It's not just about the amount. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 5, I think, echoes the sentiment of this woman. It says, the widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. This is what 
Mark chapter 12 is talking about when it speaks of this widow, she realized that her hope was in God. And listen, if your finances are struggling today, your hope is not in the economy, it's not in the president, it's not in the Federal Reserve, it is in God alone. And we need to go back and we need to remind remind ourselves of the person that gave us what we have to begin with. By the way, God is the one who has given every person the ability to create wealth. The scripture tells us that. So if you're good at sales, guess where you learn to sell? God gave you the ability. If you're a creative problem solver, if you're a team builder, if you're a manager, all of that came from God. And God has asked us to return back to him the tithe and the offering. The tithe and the offering. The tenth is that first, that first portion, that first 10% of all of our revenue streams that God says goes to the house of worship. The offering is what we give above and beyond the tithe. And we bring tithes and offerings. And when we do so, we express faith in God. It's a reminder every single month that God is the one who has given us everything that we have. Now, see, this widow knew something that, that maybe some of us forget sometimes, and that is that we're, God is going to provide for us if we will trust him. And so the widow didn't feel like she had to, to hang on to everything that she had. She, she's freely giving, and, and God, in return, is taking care of her needs. This is a stretching thought. I was thinking about being stretched um, a little bit this week, and it reminded me of my favorite childhood toy. Did anybody ever have a Stretch Armstrong? Was that the world's greatest toy? You guys didn't know this, but there's a revival of Stretch Armstrong. He's coming back. And my brother and I used to get on Stretch Armstrong, and we used to try to break him. You know, there's a proprietary gel a substance in the body of stretch that allows him to have great elasticity. Isn't that awesome? I need some volunteers to come up here and help me with a little bit with this. Aaron, Katie, y'all come up here for just a second. Come, come, come here and help me. I want you guys to demonstrate. By the way, that's the skimpiest little bikini I've ever seen on Stretch Armstrong. I forgot. Show everybody how to do this. Why don't you turn around where everybody can see. Pull on that arm. Look at that. Whoa, he's 15 inches, but now he's like four feet long. It's amazing, isn't it? Now, how about the legs? Pull those legs. Is that awesome or what? And on the instruction manual that came with it, there is, there's actually instructions about how to contort his body and wrap, wrap, you know. I was like, that's too complicated for me. But look at that. Stretch Armstrong. Stretch. Now let go of him. <laughs> Stretch goes back to the same size, but he's, he's allowed to get a little bit bigger. And I wonder sometimes if God is taking our faith and in and through our giving, if he's stretching us a little bit. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Come on, let's give it up for Aaron and Katie. Thank you guys for helping us. Sometimes we need to be stretched a bit. I'm sure when the disciples saw 
this woman's example, they were stretched. You know, when Jesus began to teach on faith and giving, they were stretched. And maybe God's stretching you a little bit today. I want you to remember, God is going to take care of your needs. Don't you worry. God just wants you to be faithful with what he's given to you. God just wants you to be faithful. So God wants to stretch us. Uh, Number two is simply this. Meta-faith motivates us. Okay? Now this may creep you out a little bit, but stay with me. Jesus is watching the offering. Okay? Look at this. Sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury, and many rich people were putting in large sums, and then a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Jesus was watching the offering. Jesus was, he was checking it out, man. He was, he was looking. There's no record that Jesus in, spoke directly to the widow, but Jesus was watching. He was observing. Did you know Jesus watches the offering? Jesus, Jesus watches our Venmo account. Jesus watches the bank account. Jesus watches the charges. Jesus watches the way that we handle our money. And when Jesus is watching, we want to put our best foot forward, don't we? I mean, think about that for just a moment. Like, when Jesus is watching, what does he see? This week, I was working out with my trainer, and I took off like six weeks, and I was feeling it. I don't know if you've ever done that before. You worked out a lot, and then you took a break, and you're trying to get back into shape, and she had Gina and I doing like a 90-second plank, which felt like nine minutes, you know? And she turned her back to give some instruction to Gina, and I started laying on the floor at 45 seconds in. And I grunted and moaned like I was, like I was dying, you know? And when she turned back around, she caught me, and she said, Ryan, what are you doing? I got caught. You know, when your coach isn't looking, it's kind of easy to lose focus, isn't it? Jesus is watching. Man, Jesus is watching. Listen, when Jesus is watching, what a great opportunity, right? Like when Jesus is watching, I want Jesus to see that, Lord, I'm trying. I'm acting in faith. Many of you know that I study over at Starbucks in the morning. I, I, I listen to worship music. I open my Bible. I prepare sermons. Most mornings I'm over at Starbucks. So I know the baristas and I know the managers and I know the, I know the regional manager because they're always there all the time. And I was having this moment with God. I was writing some sermons. It was almost like angels were descending from heaven. It was like magnificent. And, and one morning... I looked over as I was working on this sermon and I saw the barista and the barista was behind the counter and he was working on the sweets and he had the the counter open. And and I noticed out of the corner of my eye, it was so subtle, but he, he, he was arranging the brownies and the cookies and then he went like this. And he would work and then he would grab another one. And I just stood there for just a few minutes just watching. And I was thinking, is there going to be any cookies left? 
And there were, the, the manager wasn't there. The, the, the other baristas were on a smoke break or something. I don't know what they were doing. And this guy was eating all the cookies. I expected to walk over to the display and to see a big bite out of the sugar cookie and the chocolate cookie and all that. So I went up and started teasing him and I called him the cookie monster. And I gave him the nickname and he turned all red and he got kind of embarrassed, you know. Well, an hour or so later, the regional manager of the store came in. And I just thought, would the barista be eating the cookies? If the manager, if the regional manager was there, probably not. Probably not. How would it begin to change the way that we acted or the decisions that we made if we really thought about the fact that Jesus is watching. Jesus is watching. And we have an opportunity to be an encouragement to Jesus. Woo, this woman, this woman who had nothing was a blessing to Jesus. Did you know you bless Jesus when you bring the tithe, when you bring the offering? It's a blessing, man. It's a blessing. Don't, don't believe otherwise. Jesus is watching. This shouldn't make us nervous. This should make us excited. What an opportunity we have to bless Jesus. And when we do that, we begin to move in the meta-faith, the transcending faith, the faith that is moving us beyond where we are into the area where God wants us to be. Meta-faith. It also inspires me. It inspires me. You notice there in uh, verse 43 and 44, summoning His disciples, he said to them, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others, for they all gave out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Whoa, whoa. Jesus was touched. I mean, wow. She's in the Bible Hall of Fame. We don't even know this woman's name, but we know what she did. And Jesus says, guys, study that. Think about that. That's the secret sauce right there. That's meta faith. That's believing that God is going to move. God's going to take care of me. God is blessing me. God is leading me. And this woman brings a beautiful, beautiful offering. She gives from the heart and And passionate giving moves the heart of Jesus. I want you to see this today. I want you to see this because sometimes we feel like that giving is an obligation or a responsibility. And there's some of that. That's true. But I think most importantly, God wants us to be people that give with passion. That give with an intensity, with love, with consecration. With joy, right? The Bible says God loves a what? A cheerful giver, yeah. Not the person that, you know, gets like, you know, right to the offering and is like, I can't do it. No, there's joy. There's joy, there's passion. We we don't see any hesitation in this poor widow, in her voice or in, in her actions. She was just passionate. And Jesus tells the disciple, do what she did. Tells the disciples that. 
Um, this widow is what we call financially free. Now, there's a lot of talk about financial freedom. You know, you can watch webinars and YouTube videos. You can sign up for all kinds of stuff. I want to be financially free. Financial freedom for a lot of people means that you're not in debt and um, maybe that you paid your house off, you paid your cars off or whatever. And that's cool and that's great. We're for all that. But let me tell you God's definition for financial freedom. God's definition for financial freedom is this, that you can be satisfied with less and that you can give generously. Financial freedom is not allowing your stuff to have a hold on you. Let me ask you a question. Can you be happy and not drive that car? Can you be happy and not live in that house? Can you be happy when your neighbor upgrades and you don't? And if you can say yes and you can be satisfied with what you have and you can give generously, you are financially free because money doesn't control you. And stewardship and giving is a huge piece of helping us experience that financial freedom where we're not under the weight and the stress and the frustration of trying to, to always feel like we have to have this or we don't have that. Wow. How do we give in faith? Well, we make it a priority. You know, you may be thinking, well, pastor, I want to be generous. I want to grow. I want to be committed, all that. It's about priority. See, here's the, here's the misnomer about generosity. A lot of people think that giving is about money. It's really not about money. It's about priority, and it's about passion. Because when something is a priority in your life, we always seem to have enough money for that, don't we? Right? Like, if you're passionate about vacations, or you're passionate about this, whatever it may be, you find the money to do it. You just do it. You put it into your budget, it starts to happen. You know, a few years ago, we were uh, talking about tithes and offerings, and a guy came up to me after the service. He's like, Pastor, I just gave the largest gift I've ever given before. And I was like, oh, that's so, that's so great. Way to go. He goes, I figured this thing out. He said, I gave my weed money to God. I was like, there you go. I was like, you figured it out. Good for you. And he said, I knew I was going to go spend the money on weed, so I just figured if I gave it to God first, I wouldn't go and get high. I was like, well, good for you. What was this guy saying? He changed his priorities. Amen? He changed his priorities. So you may have a lot, and if you have a lot, God has given you a great responsibility. I mean, you have a great opportunity. I mean, so, so, listen, we could talk about the economic downturn, but there's a lot of people that have made big bucks during the economic turndown, uh, as things have turned out. If, you're, if you have properties, if you're in real estate, if you own a business, if you do online sales, you may be like, dude, I am killing it. I'm making bank. Remember, all of that is from God. But even if things are a little leaner for you in this season, that's never an excuse to step away from faith. We're trusting in God whether we have a lot. We're trusting in God whether we have a little. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I know how to be a base. I know how to abound. I can be content in all circumstances. If I'm in a dungeon cell, 
and I'm on death row, I can be joyful. If, if, if I'm out doing what I love to do and I have all the freedom in the world, I can be joyful. I can be content in whatever circumstance. When we develop a heart of generosity, we begin to move beyond where we are into where God desires for us to be. So God wants us to have that meta-faith. It's a meta-faith that stretches us. It's a meta-faith that motivates us. It's a meta-faith that inspires us. And when we do that, we begin to go into a relationship with God that is more powerful, more significant, more dynamic than we've ever experienced before. Let's learn today from this widow who brought her two little coins and she gave all that she had. Would you pray with me for just a moment?